Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. I want to welcome all of our viewers. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you could spend the next hour with us. If you're joining us for the first time and want some more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. I want to give a big thank you and hello to all of our moderators that are moderating all of our five platforms, which include YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter simultaneously streaming Monday through Friday every evening on those days. want to welcome uh, Colette, uh, Sej, Viviana joining us on Facebook. Lisa is joining us on Facebook as well. We've got CeCe Weezy, Khaleesi with us on YouTube. On Instagram, we have, of course, um, Marie. Almost forgot Marie's name. Marie's moderating. Uh, our producer Marco is joining us tonight on Instagram. Lester, welcome to Lester. Ari, welcome to all you guys. I hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, if you guys uh, saw the show last Friday, you saw that you know I was starting to feel the effects of my second COVID shot, but much better. Only lasted about, it lasted a good 48 hours. It was not until Sunday morning when I was feeling back to my old self again. Glad to be back with all of you here tonight. Hope everyone is doing well. We're going to be reviewing yesterday's episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Another great episode. Uh, we only have like three episodes to go. And then season six is officially over of Fear the Walking Dead. Man, uh, even with a good four-month break between the A part and the B part, this season has flown by because it's just been so damn good uh before we get to that we are gonna have an action-packed uh week this coming week on dead talk live we have three guest interviews coming at you this week tomorrow we are having acclaimed writer eric bress he is known for writing final destination 2 most recently a great movie called ghosts of war uh highly recommend you guys check that out Eric is going to be joining us tomorrow. And then Thursday, we have Larry Zerner. Uh, Larry Zerner is from Friday the 13th, Part 3. Shelly, the man responsible for uh, giving Jason Voorhees his iconic hockey mask. If you guys remember, going all the way back to Friday the 13th, Part 3, Shelly is the one who brought the uh, hockey mask with him. He was a prankster uh, playing jokes on everybody there. Uh, He had the hockey mask with him. And of course, when Jason took him out, he took his hockey mask and has yet to take it off. Uh, Yeah, he's wearing that hockey mask. It did a, a little bit of a makeover when he went to space. It got definitely a new space age feel to it. But yeah, the man who is responsible for giving Jason Voorhees his hockey mask is going to be joining us this Thursday. And on Friday, uh, Xander Berkeley, who was scheduled to be on our show like uh, two weeks ago and had to reschedule, he will be joining us this Friday. So we are very excited for all three of our guests Friday, uh, tomorrow, and Thursday. Looking forward to talking to all of them. It should be a fascinating week. Hope you guys can join us for all three of those interviews. Uh, I know I'm pretty jazzed about them. So let's see. Tina has joined us on Facebook, as has Megan. Welcome to you guys. Lindsay Sparks, all the way from Canada, is joining us on Facebook as well. Cece Wheezy saw Spiral. Today, Spiral from the Book of Saw uh, was released uh, Friday, and it's getting some pretty good reviews. I have yet to see it. It's only available in theaters at the moment, but the way things have been working out as theaters slowly start to reopen again, uh, it looks like the new model is going to be Either they're, A, going to be simultaneously released to both theaters and video-on-demand streaming services, or, B, go to theaters for, you know, a couple of weeks, depending on how successful it is. 
then very, very soon after be released to video on demand. So with Spiral, uh, I think I'm just going to wait because I have a feeling the video, it's not been officially announced, but I think it's going to be coming out on video on demand uh, pretty soon. So I'm just going to wait. I'm very excited to see Spiral. It's gotten great reviews from critics and fans alike. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that one. The movie that I'm really, really looking forward to is coming out June 4th. And as you all know, those, those of you who have been watching me, and that is The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. That is simultaneously being released to theaters and uh, HBO Max. That's what Warner Brothers is doing with all their movies, at least for this year. Things might change for 2022, but for the rest of this year, Warner Brothers is releasing films simultaneously to movie theaters and for 30 days only on HBO Max. And then at which point, I believe they're going to hit soon after all the, uh, you know, transactional video on demand services basically you're either gonna have to buy it or rent it if you miss the 30-day window if you have hbo max so a lot of good stuff coming out a lot of good stuff uh, i want to welcome you lev uh giving us a lot of smiley love faces on instagram hello to jackie hope uh hope you're doing well jackie nicole says you are so sexy thank you nicole that makes me feel better. I <laughs> uh, want to welcome DG, who's with us on YouTube. Welcome to all you guys. We have a nice uh, crowded house tonight. So let's talk about Fear of the Walking Dead. As I said, we got another great episode. We were introduced to another new character yesterday. And I got to be honest with you. When June entered that RV and she was looking... Uh, for she was looking on that pinup board for somebody who's been tracking Teddy for a very, very long time. And, you know, we find out that it's John Dory Sr. who gets the drop on her. When we first saw when he first appeared on the screen and he was in those in the shadows, I could swear it took me a, until he stepped out of the shadows. I thought that was Jeffrey DeMunn. And Jeffrey DeMunn is who played Dale on The Walking Dead for the first two seasons. I'm like, what? They brought Jeff DeMunn to Fear the Walking Dead? I, I, I'm like, I could swear that was him. And uh, it wasn't. It was uh, another great actor, Keith Carradine, who uh, I've known for a long time now. I don't know how many people out there have watched uh, the show Madam Secretary. He played the president on Madam Secretary uh, with Tia Leone as the star. He was uh, President Conrad on Madam Secretary. So when he stepped out, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. I'm like, first of all, you know, Jeffrey DeMunn would not be coming back to the Walking Dead universe. He left because he wanted to leave uh, with the whole Frank Darabont situation. Uh, so that's why they wrote him off the show in season two. And But I swear, when he popped up in those shadows, I'm like, it can't be, it can't be. But he looked so much like Dale. And it wasn't until he popped out and I'm like, all right, all right. That makes a whole bunch of sense right there. Uh, Megan writes, right? He, uh, Khaleesi writes, he played Penny's dad. Ah, okay. Uh, Colette writes the old, the old English, the old English saying, shit, hot, fit, bald. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, love that saying, Colette. Thank you guys. So anyway, uh, that episode that we got yesterday was great. And I'm still finding it hard to believe that these guys are not piecing together now, especially that John Dory's on board. I hope they can put two and two together. Morgan sharing his information about the key, 
John Dory, who has been tracking this psychopath for a very long time. He is the reason why uh, he abandoned his family, John Dory Jr., I guess, uh, and wife, uh, because like he explained in the episode yesterday, he did the wrong thing for the right reason. And even though he knew it was for the right reason, it personally destroyed him. It really destroyed him. And what, you know, putting Teddy away, knowing that he was a bad person, uh, he could never let it go. It, it took over his whole life. And there's a big moral to that story, which we're really not going to get into. But I love Keith Carradine. He's a great actor. And I think he's going to be in this show for the long haul. Uh, you know, like I said, he's an amazing actor and you just don't bring him in for an episode or two and then kill him off. Just like Peter Jacobson, who plays Rabbi Jacob, who his story is starting to come more into focus now. Because if you guys remember, uh, Rabbi Jacob is who John Dory told the whole story about his dad and how his dad became obsessed. His dad planted evidence against this person. He got him put away for life. And then we also see John Dory Sr.'s obsession with him, A, with him abandoning his family, uh, his son, his wife. Uh, I, As a father and a husband, I just can't even imagine what would need to take place in order for somebody to do that. But I also do believe there are extremes out there and it is possible. And that's what John Dory Sr. experienced. And that moment yesterday uh, when him and Hill got into that scuffle at the, uh, at the shack by the lake and uh, he let Hill get the drop on him because... Senior got a look and saw his son's grave. And that look on his face, that just split second of him seeing the the gravesite, Hill getting the drop on him and ultimately shooting him before Hill was taken out, uh, that was a very powerful moment right there. And then when June finally built up enough courage with uh, John Dory's dad right there, as well as Dwight and Sherry, and she read that letter out loud that John wrote her. That letter was supposed to be a suicide letter, I believe. That was him saying goodbye to her, uh, you know, for when they eventually found his body. Uh, so that was his suicide letter. It ultimately being was read as a, uh, you know, after his death, but not by suicide. As we all know, Dakota is the one that shot him. Uh, Khaleesi writes, that episode has to be my favorite just because of the letter. I lost it when June read. Uh, DG writes, it's the question, can you live with regret or desire? That's a good point. It's a good point. So... Great episode all around. Zoe on Twitter writes, it was nice to see Dwight and Sherry together. That was nice. It was finally nice. Uh, Sherry, first of all, A, admit that it's Negan that she's really after. The, the majority of the episode, uh, she is planning on going, going back to Virginia to put a bullet in uh, Negan's head. You know, she's going to have to, there's a line of people who want to do that. But, you know, anyway, by the end of the episode, after experiencing what happened with uh, Senior, Junior's death, uh, June, it looks like Dwight and Sherry are going to give it a go again. Um, she, like Dwight said, let's just start over. And I think that's great advice. Let's just start over. You know, start off fresh. Put the past, Try to put the past behind us and move on and see where it leads. 
uh, I love the the arc that Dwight has taken. And if you guys go back and remember when we first met him, both him and Sherry when they came across Daryl, when we got our introduction to the Saviors, uh, his arc of how he went back to Negan, Negan burning his face, trying to be loyal to Negan, shooting that person in the back who was trying to leave the sanctuary, torturing Daryl, eventually betraying Negan, giving information to Daryl and Rick to ultimately bring Negan down to where he is now. Uh, he has had a fascinating arc on two separate shows that span two separate shows. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm a huge Dwight fan. I love Dwight. I love Austin Emilio. He's doing an amazing job playing Dwight. And uh, I love the fact that they're keeping Dwight very much relevant as he was in the comic books, in the Walking Dead comic books. Uh, he's just now on fear, and they're making him very, very relevant to the storyline that's going on on Fear of the Walking Dead. And I just think that's great. Uh, Khaleesi writes, Did you notice the walker when Dwight and Sherry uh, rode off at the end with the black leather jacket and barbed wire wrapped around him? Oh, I saw the walker. I know exactly which one you're talking about as they're riding off in the horse. You see a walker come in from like the left side of the screen. But I did not get a look at him that he was wearing a leather jacket or the barbed wire. Khaleesi writes, that was a Negan Easter egg that Sherry has dropped. Uh, Colette writes, Dwight is definitely cool. Lindsay loves Dwight. Uh, so anyway, let's go ahead and read what the critics have to say. You know, we always, uh, you know, take what the critics say with a grain of salt. But let's see what they have to say about this episode. Uh, like I said, guys, we only have three left before the finale. So... This episode was called JD. Pretty simple. Fear of the Walking Dead introduces a surprising new character tied to John Dory. And I would never would have guessed if you would have told me that we would actually get a chance to meet John Dory's father. I would have said, no, the dude is probably dead. You know, if he didn't die of old age before the apocalypse hit then the apocalypse definitely took him out. It seems that the only thing that's keeping him going right now is Teddy. Because uh, as he mentioned in the episode, when the world went to shit, he went to the prison to find out, to make sure Teddy was dead. And instead, he goes to the prison, he finds his jail cell unlocked, and... His purpose in life from that point on was to track him down. And he has been tracking, you know, with his famous slogan, which is the end is the beginning. So I wonder if Teddy knows that good old John Dory Sr. is looking for him. When those two meet up eventually, and you know they will meet up, that is going to be a fascinating scene. That I am very much looking forward to. So anyway, let's uh, continue on. I don't know about any of you, but I avoid all spoilers so I can go into every episode of Fear the Walking Dead, or any show for that matter, with a fresh and open mind. This allows more room for genuine, unfiltered reactions to plot twists and character deaths. Like when Fear killed off John Dory earlier this season in the episode called The Door. This heartbreaking episode was all the more tragic because John died feeling like he didn't make enough of a difference. We now just drop, sorry, we know just the opposite to be true, of course. Not only did John's life positively impact his friends uh, and those he left behind, and while no one can ably fill the Garrett Dillahunt-shaped void left by John's passing, the episode JD steps up in a big way to make amends for our loss. I'm talking about, of course, 
Keith Carradine, who this week steps into the role of a person who's loomed large not only in John's life, but in Fear's sixth season as well. Just as John Glover seemed born to play doomsday cult leader Teddy Maddox, Carradine is likewise an ingenious casting choice for breathing life into the elder John Dory. It's also a perfect opportunity for Fear to examine the theme of redemption. This is not new ground for the show, of course, but viewed through the lens of a character that has hovered over so much of this season, um, and this page keeps jumping around, uh, it's also the perfect opportunity for fear to... Okay, this is not new ground for the show, of course, but viewed through the lens of a character that has hovered over so much of this season like a specter, the show itself has a chance to redeem itself for killing John to advance the plot. And if that means introducing his old uh, curmudgeon of a father, so be it. But John Dory Sr. isn't the only one with something to prove in J.D. Indeed, we quickly learn that June has been punishing herself with a series of what-ifs that can never bring her husband back from the grave. The biggest what-if is the one that the most of us have probably been asking ourselves since the episode called Bury Her Next to Jasper's Leg. If you recall, in this episode in which June decides uh, to work at Lawton's new hospital rather than leave with John as she originally promised, already tortured by his own mistakes, John must grapple with this new heartbreak as he departs alone for his cabin. So yes, Morgan has more than just a few reasons for being upset with June. To his mind, had she been at the settlement instead of Lawton, Grace's baby, and this article keeps jumping around because of these ads, Grace's baby might have survived. Honestly, I'm glad Fear has finally addressed June's choice to stay at Lawton. That Morgan would give voice to such bitter disappointment is more than a, a tactic acknowledgement to this narrative choice fell quite flat at the time. In retrospect, it's easier to understand that so much of the younger John's life was shaped by abandonment. The idea of abandonment factors heavily into Dwight and Sherry's storyline as well. They've been on a different path for some time now. Dwight, played by Austin Emilio, has tried to make peace with a life that no longer includes Sherry. Like John, he wants whatever is best for someone that he cares about. And much like June, Sherry isn't just restless, she feels trapped by past mistakes. Like June and John's father, Sherry seeks a kind of transformative redemption that can only happen with a clean slate. And if that means traveling all the way back to Virginia to kill Negan herself, so be it. Thankfully, Sherry has a change of heart, which is, which is just as well. Like Morgan and Dwight, she's already crossed over from The Walking Dead to Fear. Do we really need to see her cross back over to The Walking Dead? No. Uh, if Sherry showed up back at The Walking Dead which was not going to happen anyways. But even if she did, besides Daryl, really, nobody else really knows who she is. So there's no story for Sherry coming back to The Walking Dead, especially without Dwight. Would anyone really have patience for something like that? I wouldn't. Such a journey would be a distraction for the main storyline, namely Teddy's doomsday cult. Which brings us back to John's father, through the magic of plot contrivances, sorry, contrivances, John, Dwight, and Sherry just happened to cross paths with the elder sharpshooter. This episode abounds with many such convenient coincidences, but so much of JD works that it's easy to overlook an over-reliance on hapstance. 
and carradine is one aspect that works very well it would have been easy to make him just as lovable and kind-hearted as his son but fear happily flips the scripts on script on this while john and his father are alike in many ways they're both former cops they're both sharpshooters john's father is a cranky crunched <laughs> Cranky, crusty son of a bitch. I also like the way this episode neatly reconciles things John has said about his father. Like how he framed a murderer, in this case, Terry, to ensure he would wound up in prison where he belonged. I also appreciate that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Both men comprised, compromised their principles to accomplish what they thought would serve a greater good. Whereas his son overcame his demons, his father was not quite so fortunate. What doesn't quite work for me, though, is that while everyone has no trouble finding each other, how is that John and his father never crossed paths? Yeah, you know, it's amazing that so soon after John Dory Jr. dies, his father just shows up. That's just something you've got to look the other way on. This seems even more egregious when you consider that Teddy's cult is operating in a very specific area that includes Lawton and Morgan Settlement. If John's father has been tracking Teddy for months, wouldn't it reason that they could have ran into each other? That being said, it's interesting to see John's father take in the details of his adult son's life, like his movie rentals, seeing the cabin, his cabin, 40 years after leaving his family behind is both poignant and bittersweet. JD finally gives us a proper funeral service for John is likewise poignant and bittersweet. And I think another uh, objective this episode makes, it at least for me it did, it gave us closure. It gave me closure to John Dory Jr. For, somehow, for some reason, introducing his father onto the show and also the funeral, June opening up that letter, uh... It gave closure, for me, it gave closure to the whole John Dory Jr. storyline. As odd as I found it that June would finally opt to read John's letter aloud rather than privately, this is an emotionally high point of the episode. Elfman is solid in the scene she needs to be. If fear truly wants to sell us on the idea that redemption is a transformative process, of course, John Dory Jr. would forgive his father and June for choices they have made. Even in death, our dearly departed gunslinger is still making a positive impact on the people he cared about the most. Very well said. Good article to the point, and I think sums it up uh, nicely, both in the aspects of his father June, Dwight, Sherry, and uh, I found out that uh, Michael Satrazimus directed the finale that's coming up in three episodes. I think these next three episodes are just going to be crazy. Um, yesterday's episode ended when Morgan, you know, June brought John Dory Sr. back to the settlement. Morgan got to meet him. He found out, you know, Teddy's name, all that. He's been hunting him for a very long time. And Morgan says, well, let's get to work. Now that they are going to have the whole picture, Morgan and the entire settlement is really going to know what they're up against with the information that, uh, you know, Dory Sr. is going to give them the threat that they knew was there they just didn't know how big of a threat it was once they find out 
the information that um, John's dad has, it's going to put everything into a different gear. That is when you're going to see Strand, Lawton, Morgan Settlement, uh, Sherry's Mast people, everybody coming together because they're going to realize that this guy has been preaching about ending civilization way before the zombie apocalypse ever came to pass. They know they've got a madman on their hands. Morgan knows that he has the key. I'm hoping they're able to put two and two together to what we think is uh, Teddy's plan. And that might be him doing some kind of nuclear launch to destroy all life. Of course, his life and those of his uh, followers because somehow him and them are exempt from uh, the new beginning. Teddy sees himself as the new beginning, as any madman would. And I love the line from yesterday's episode. I believe as, uh, as uh, Dory Sr. is explaining it to June, just what uh, Teddy's mentality is uh, from the day he first came across him, you know, spouting the end is the beginning, the world must end. And he was telling her some of the stories about him and they're completely crazy and he knew it. And he's like, yeah, this guy is bona fide batshit crazy. That is who, <laughs> that is who I'm chasing. That is who you guys are trying to find out uh, where he is. Yeah, he is just batshit crazy. And now that he has those keys, he is very dangerous, you know, very dangerous. I had uh, something that's not going to happen, but I'm like, how cool would it be if, you know, that information got back, even though the timelines are still split between Fear of the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking Dead did not you do the six-year time jump after uh like they did on the walking dead after rick's death so technically fear the walking dead is six years behind but if the timelines were aligned you know i wonder if that information you know reached alexandria or any of the other settlements or the c you know the crm i'm pretty sure the crm is going to be getting involved with this in some way or form uh do they know uh that you know they're you know keys to nuclear launch are missing unaccounted for we really don't know uh you know they're a shadow organization there's not much we really know about them uh is that what isabel from the crm is searching for is the crm i think the crm because they have been very prominent on Fear of the Walking Dead. I think they're going to play a big part in these final three episodes, at least the finale. I think we're going to see the CRM in a big way in the finale. And I'm not saying that this whole Teddy storyline is going to end in three episodes. I can almost guarantee you it's going to continue well into next season. But I have a feeling we are going to be seeing the CRM uh, in, the, in the next three episodes, at least. Uh, I can almost guarantee we'll be seeing or hearing of some mention more about the CRM. Uh, Al has gone. Al is off looking for Isabel. So you have to find a way to account for Althea, you know, played by Maggie Grace. She is trying to find Isabel and warn her about this threat. I think Isabel and the CRM are fully aware of the threat. They may not know about this guy, Teddy, but they know something. Um, so that's going to be very interesting to find out. Colette writes, he's a total despot. He's, a, he's just batshit crazy. Uh, DG writes, would love to see that Troy survived getting knocked upside the head 
and damn in season three and was a part of the Teddy cult. No, Troy's dead. Uh, Madison shot him in the head. <laughs> and then a bridge collapsed on him. So, yeah, Troy is absolutely dead, uh, gone, not coming back either. Uh, Khaleesi writes, they're said there won't be, sorry, they said there won't be one uh, on Memorial Day weekend, which is when? Memorial Day weekend is on the 31st. So, okay. So, we'll skip a week. I know we have three episodes left. If they stretch that into four weeks, so be it. Uh, Colette writes, Al and Isabel save the day. Yep. Yeah, I'm really rooting for those two. Uh, I am really rooting for uh, uh, Isabel and Al. Want to welcome Gusty, who's with us all the way from Argentina. Welcome to Bruno, who's just joined us on Instagram. Welcome to all you guys. Thank you for joining us on Instagram. So, let's see. Looking at the time, let's, let's see what... Uh, some other articles had to say here about this last episode. If I can find my damn mouse. Here we go. Fear the Walking Dead introduces us to another long-lost family member. Recap. Dealing with in-laws can be tough at the best of times, but June has the misfortune of meeting hers, or one of them, at least at what might be the worst of times for her or anyone. And it certainly doesn't help that John's dad is a storm cloud to his son's sunshine. Meanwhile, Dwight and Sherry's relationship troubles continue, but she finally tells him what is at the core of her inability to find inner peace. And that's no great mystery. Her big blockade to finding any sort of peace is Negan. It's always been Negan. I've said this for a long time now. Virginia was just a surrogate for Negan. And she thought if she took out Virginia, it would make what happened, you know, with what Negan did to her all better. It's not. And I think she finally is realizing that. So, after having an argument with Morgan about how she couldn't do the one thing John asked of her, which was going with him to the cabin, June takes off to con continue her search for answers about the graffiti people. The end is the beginning. Dwight follows her, and Sherry follows Dwight, and they're in the middle of a little reunion on the road when someone starts firing on them. June takes off to find the assailant, which ends up with her inside an RV staring down the barrel of a gun. Yep, that's John's dad, Keith Carradine. He attacked the group because he thought they were part of the cult. And he is a man determined to kill Teddy. Uh, as many fans predicted, John Dory Sr.'s grudge against the cult leader goes way, way back. He was the man J.D. Sr. put away using less than clean methods. And the toll that dishonesty took was huge. The rest, as we know, is history. Consumed by self-hatred, John's dad left his entire family. Closest thing to family, June and JD quickly realize who they are to each other as he takes note of the gun she nearly uses on him with JD inscribed on the handle and officially introduces himself as John Dory. A tenuous piece is formed as they travel to an orchard in search of answers, but then to the department store where June could see a uh, wound J.D. received. It almost seemed like they would be friends. J.D. stops calling June sweetheart, which she hated. He tells her stories of his son's early years, about John's taste in movies, his love for all things butterscotch, and so on. But then J.D. locks June in the back room under the guise of keeping her safe because she's now the closest thing to family that he has left. From there, he heads to his son's cabin 
He finds a man living there who stole John's other gun. They fight. That other man, of course, is Virginia's uh, top lieutenant, Hill, the only one of Virginia's people that stayed loyal well after Virginia's settlement and her whole gathering fell apart. J.D. gets the upper hand, but then he sees his son's grave and freezes. The man shoots him and he topples, placing his hand on the cross with his son's name on it. But there's been enough death in the past few episodes, so the Walking Dead Grim Reaper spares J.D. Dwight and Sherry manage to find June and free her, and they all wind up at John's cabin in just enough time to save J.D.'s life. They hold a makeshift memorial for the kind-hearted gunslinger, at which June finally reads his letter she's been keeping in her jacket pocket. And wouldn't you know, John Dory makes explicit not only how deeply he loves June, but that he understood why his father left and that he forgave him for it. It's tempting to find this all a little too convenient, but Jenna Elfman's acting is simply stellar. I'll back that up, it was. It's hard not to get misty-eyed when she reads aloud that John will love June forever. The B story this episode revolves around Dwight and Sherry as they search for June, but really Sherry just wants to leave to go kill Negan, and what a combo she and Maggie would make. Can you imagine that? Again, going back to Sherry, going back to The Walking Dead. It's not going to happen, but just imagine. Uh, She shows up at Alexandria, you know, looking for Negan, and uh negan sees her can you imagine if negan saw sherry uh he would shit himself he would uh because he's not the kind of person now that would take her down at least i don't think he is even if it is to save his own skin i think the negan that we have now is at to the is at the point where he would not do that and if uh she wanted to kill him for what he did to her. I think he would allow that to happen. But anyway, imagine Sherry walking into Alexandria, uh, meeting up with Maggie, and those two coming after Negan. Man, that would be something. That would be something to watch. Uh, Khaleesi writes, when he said uh, he was John Dory, I was afraid she'd shoot him. (laughs) Uh, The question the episode wants us to grapple with is whether or not she will leave Dwight to get her revenge, except unfortunately, we already kind of know she won't. Fear is uh, several years behind the main show, like I mentioned, and Sherry never showed up again, so she was either going to die en route to Alexandria or stay put. After John's funeral, she chooses the latter, and she and her husband decide to start over together. As the episode ends, June and crew plus JD head back to Morgan's settlement. Morgan is, of course, interested in anything and everything JD can tell him about Teddy and his followers, and he asks June to help Grace, who isn't doing well after the events of last of the last episode, of course, where she lost her baby. It was stillborn. All, they all part ways, and with J.D. on their side, it seems possible that the end of the end is the beginning is the beginning. Now, the author of this article also made some other observations. I wanted to love this episode, but I wish Keith Carradine had played someone other than John's father. I've, it feels too convenient that June would run into John Dory Sr., right after his son's death. That seems to be a common point. It's just one of those things where you really have to look the other way on, as you do with any TV show or movie. You're, they're right, though. It is very convenient that he shows up soon after his son dies, but all the years of them living in the same vicinity, they never came across each other. 
That said, performances in this episode were great again. Jenna Elfman especially. John's death was heartbreaking. But June reading his note was so emotional. Every ounce of the character's grief and pain was apparent. And it was difficult to make it through that scene without shedding a tear. Plus, Aisha Tyler's directing was excellent. Part of me was hoping Sherry or Sherry and Dwight would return to the main show to team up with Maggie in season 11. I know the timeline doesn't work out, but I would have been willing to forgive that. Would you? Really? I seriously doubt that, especially since your first observation raises the fact that John Sr. arrives conveniently after his son's death. So, uh, I kind of find it hard that you would look the other way on them not addressing that the shows are on completely different timelines again. Uh, another observation he made, congrats to everyone who predicted Teddy was the guy John's dad put away. I'm interested to see where that whole storyline goes. Does JD kill Teddy? Does Teddy kill JD? It'd be cruel to introduce John's dad and then take him out right away. I don't think Keith Carradine is going anywhere, at least for a while. But I wouldn't put it past this show, the author writes. Uh, the author gives this uh, show a rating of three out of three and a half out of five. A solid episode bogged down by some semi-implausible developments. Like, how did Dwight and Sherry find June so quickly? That said, it seems like Fear of the Walking Dead is setting up big things to happen in these last three installments. So, there you guys have it. Zoe on Twitter writes, it was convenient but unexpected. I'm glad he's on the show. I totally agree with you, Zoe. I'm absolutely glad uh, for two reasons. I'm a big Keith Carradine fan. I've loved him and everything he's been in. And I like the fact that they're making John's dad's character to not be a mirror image of his son. He is sort of a cranky old man who has been living with a lot of regret for the majority of his life. And he truly regrets the fact that he let this psychopath take his family away from him. You know, yeah, it was his own choice to abandon them. I'm not pass. I'm not giving him a pass on that one, but he's pissed. And I think Teddy, in the post-apocalyptic world, is the only thing that is keeping, you know, senior going. Let's say he does win. Let I mean, let's say uh, Dory Senior is the one that stops Teddy. You know, hypothetically. You know, next season, whenever. You know, uh, you have to sort of write it into the story where he becomes a part of Morgan's settlement. You have to write it if uh, if uh, Keith Carradine, John Dory Sr. is the one that takes out Teddy, ultimately, whenever they do decide to end this storyline... In order to keep his character relevant and keep him fresh and up to date with the story, you're going to have to do some major character building with the existing characters uh, on Fear of the Walking Dead, which I have no doubt they will. I really don't. I really think they will do it. Colette writes, it's a pity Eugene isn't there. He'd sort of the nuclear, he would sort the nuclear issue out. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I want to welcome Edgar with us on Instagram, 101. Also with us on Instagram. Welcome, guys. Uh, Anonymous writes, what did I miss? We're just going over the latest Fear of the Walking Dead episode. Thank you guys for joining us on Instagram. So anyway, guys, that's it. Uh, Three episodes of Fear of the Walking Dead left to go. Uh... It's going to be a very interesting four weeks, as uh, Khaleesi said. Uh, there's going to be, I have not 
saw this, but I trust Khaleesi when she says there will not be a Fear of the Walking Dead episode on Memorial Day weekend. So that would put, uh, that's two weeks away. So that would put the episode 15, push it back a week. So basically we have four weeks to get three weeks, three episodes. So that's what's going to be happening after that. And don't forget, at the end of August, August 22nd, is when season 11, the final season of The Walking Dead, is going to premiere. So that's our Walking Dead uh, wrap-up for tonight. Uh, Please tune in. Tomorrow, uh, Thursday and Friday especially, we have three great guests coming on our show. It's going to be a fascinating chat. Tomorrow, we have acclaimed writer of such movies as Final Destination 2, Ghosts of War, Eric Bress. Thursday, we have uh, Larry Zerner, who played Shelley on Friday the 13th, Part 3. Friday, we're getting legendary icon Xander Berkeley, who has been in everything. Uh, for a very long time, Apollo 13, Air Force One, The Walking Dead, uh, the list just goes on and on and on. This uh, Xander Berkeley is a, uh, he's a legend in my mind. He's awesome. And I'm very excited to talk to Xander on Friday. So until tomorrow night, guys, stay safe. Please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. Don't forget, we air Monday through Friday. If you want to be a part of our live audience, you can catch us Monday through Friday. We simultaneously stream to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. Start time is normally sometime between 9.30 and 10, 10, depending on how busy the day has been. Uh, Yeah, sometime between 9.30 and 10 p.m., You can catch us on all those networks. Just set your reminder and you'll get a notification when the show goes live. Uh, So until tomorrow night, guys, with our guest, Eric Bress, stay safe and always stay walking. Good night.